Hello, everybody, and welcome you to another episode of the podcast, I'm Not Broken. I'm your host, RJ. Um, I want to welcome everybody back. It's been three weeks uh, since my last recording. Um, I apologize for the, the delay, and I really apologize. I was listening to my last podcast, and I want to apologize for saying um so much. I am going to do everything in my power to not use that. Uh, I See, it's even hard still. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do everything I can not to do that, so bear with me. Uh, it really was a hard episode to listen to last last time I, I, I put one on the air. Uh, also, I'd like to give a shout-out. My granddaughter, who's going to be turning 13, wanted me to give her a shout-out. Uh, I'm glad she's listening. Uh, she's basically listening to to hear my voice and see what this is all about. And I'm very thankful that she does not need this podcast, but she just wants to listen to me. And she wanted me to give her a shout-out, so I want to say, Nay, nay, Papa loves you. And I hope to see you again and uh, around Christmas time or maybe even sooner. I Moving out to where we moved to, away from my grandkids, was very hard. We have uh, five. Uh, they start in age. I, and one thing about my grandkids is I don't go by their real names. I gave them all nicknames. Our oldest... Uh, I call him Caveman. My 13-year-old, going on 13-year-old, Nene. That's the one I wanted me to give her a shout-out. Once again, love, Papa loves you, Nene. The next one in line is our other grandson. His name is Darth. The next in line is Mowgli. She's she's the what, third, second youngest. And then we have Peanut, who's the youngest, who's actually the ringleader of all the grandkids. The youngest one just seems to be the, the ringleader. And uh, I love them all and miss their big, big hugs. And, and, and Papa loves you all. Uh, on, on to the podcast, on to this episode. This episode is uh, very important to my honest recovery because it had to happen as quickly as quitting drugs had to happen. What I'm trying to say is the blame game. That's what this episode's going to be about. I feel today, uh, society in a whole likes to blame other things than actually where the responsibility should lie. In my recovery, my good, honest recovery, which I emphasize this August is going on 21 years. Um, August, I believe, 7th or 8th. I, sometimes I lose track. But I know it's going to be 21 years that I've been working in honest, good, honest recovery. Before I was working recovery, I just wasn't working a very good recovery, and sometimes not a very honest recovery. But the blame game is something that I had to purge uh, as fast as I had to purge not using drugs, because obviously if you're going to go into some kind of a recovery, you have to stop the thing that you're addicted to. In, in, in my case, the drugs, I had to stop that. I, you know, I had to be immediate. That had to be this, that had to be that. On the other hand, there's other things I had to stop for a, full, you know, a, a complete honest recovery, and I explained in one of the episodes about how I worked on procrastination, this, that, and the other thing. But the blame game had to be purged and stopped immediately. I, I, I am a firm believer, and I'm going to speak for myself, that 95% of the shit that I've been through, that I have put myself through, is my fault. 95% of it is my fault. And I know some people out there have been abused unfortunately, sexually, mentally, physically um, uh, men, women, and children uh, I, I'm deeply saddened by the children out there and there's all kinds of abuse there's the sexual abuse the mental abuse, physical abuse some parents felt the need to, sh to, to do drugs and thought it was funny with their, their young kids and, and they grew up to be you know, addicts and, and it's just a shame and those are some of the things that were not their fault what people did after that it has, to, it has to have some kind of personal responsibility. And I, I'm going to give you, any, I'm not here without examples because believe me, my life has been crazy. Back when I was, I believe, on the verge of 16, I, my best friend, my cousin, died unexpectedly. Um, I don't know the medical term for what he had, but he had an undiagnosed a heart condition where his aorta was third the size of a normal aorta. And it was undiagnosed. He never knew he had it. Um, he was actually visiting uh, weeks before he died. 
and he was complaining of back back pains. And and I'm thankful. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful I got to spend the time I did with him. Um, we went to the, this local mountain. Uh, my my aunt rented a cabin. We went to this mountainous area. They had a water park. We had a great time. I'm so thankful I got to spend the time I got to spend with him because he was my best friend. But he died unexpectedly. And that same year, my childhood pet died. And to go off the subject real quick, I'm going to do an episode in the future uh, around Halloween of the paranormal and recovery because I've had experiences using drugs. I've had experiences not using drugs. I've had experiences in a good recovery of the paranormal type. And I'd like to, I think it'd be really cool just to take a breath of fresh air and, 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 and celebrate Halloween by, uh, I'll, I'll let you know some of the things that, that I went through in, in, on the paranormal side of it. Because I, I do believe in the afterlife. I do believe in ghosts. And, but to go back on to what I was talking about here, I lost my cousin. I lost my uh, favorite dog and my, well, my first pet that I remember. And also, the house that we lived in at the time, the room that I lived in, to me was very evil. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, there was something really wrong with this room. I'll get into more detail when I do the paranormal one in, in, in paranormal episode in, in, in around Halloween time. But there was just something really off about this room. And not only was I using drugs at the time, and, but I was starting to, how can I say it? sway towards the darker sides of religion, if you get my drift. And so my mother, who did not know I was on drugs at the time, she thought I was possessed. Let's just call it what it was. She thought I was possessed. So one day I got home, and uh, it was a summer e- evening, and we were they were sitting at the table in our backyard, and my mom's church, her the priest was there, and she called him over to talk to me to see if, I don't know, if I was possessed or something wrong, or, you know, just to have a chat. And so I was devious, and so I decided, well, I'm going to play with this guy. And so I kind of played up the part like demonic forces were controlling me. Uh, not to the point of spitting out green soup or head spinning around or anything like that. If I could have done it, that would have been kind of trippy to do. It would have been kind of funny in a way, but... That's just me, but uh, but needless to say, he talked my parents into letting uh, letting me, him take me back to what they call the rectory, which is basically the house that the church owns, that the priests live in, while they're a priest at a certain church. And at first, when I sat down, I you know it, it, nothing seemed funny. He had his hand on my shoulder and he was just talking to me, and it didn't seem out of place or anything like that. Slowly started rubbing my back, which was just the middle of my back. Didn't think too much about it. But his hands moved down. And they moved down my back, and then they started going into the, the inside of my shorts, uh, the top of my shorts. And they, they, one pass got pretty, pretty down in there, and most of his hand was pretty much back there. And, you know, I, for, for a split second, I stood up. He stood up. We're looking face to face. And I said, you know, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. And I balled up my fist, what felt like it came from the carpet, from the floor, and I decked him. And there was no hesitation. He just fell straight back, and his eyes were half open, and I, oh, man, I thought I killed him. And I immediately went into blame. I blamed uh you know, I blamed everything. I I can't blame him. Was it was it my fault that he did what he did? No. Uh, in retrospect, as I look back today, it was definitely not my fault what he did. But if I wasn't doing the things I was doing, I wouldn't even have been in a position where this guy could have took me over there. I used the experience, though, to justify more drug use, a harder drug use. I, I know when my like when my cousin died, uh, when I was at his funeral, I heard people say only the good die young. He was very good. He was good. He he didn't do nowhere near the things that I did. He was con- we were best friends, but he was the opposite of me. So I thought, you know, the good die young. Hell, I'm gonna be as bad as I want to be. And 
maybe that's what kept me alive still today. I don't know, but we'll get into other things and instances that happened in other episodes. But so I'm standing there and I'm looking over this. I thought was a dead priest, and all I could think about was, this is definitely going to be a good reason for me to go back home, grab my private stash, and and just do it all night long and and just say f the world and and that's the way it's going to be. And I'm going to blame you. And, you know, what he did was wrong. And there are other priests, probably this one's has done worse. I don't, I know people, uh, when I've shared the story before in H&I panels, they ask me, did you, did you sue? Did you die? No. You know, it, let me tell you why. I got my self-satisfaction, self-satisfaction doing what I did by knocking him out that I didn't need to do anything like that. It didn't go any further. Maybe even I felt that part of that punch was for everybody else. But it was what it was, and I didn't feel the need to do that. But I used that experience to continue a hardcore addiction. I would Now, I say that I was satisfied by punching him out today. Back then, I might have felt good, but I didn't, I, if I told myself I was satisfied with that, then I, I would have had no reason to use that experience to keep using drugs. You know what I understand. You know, you know what I mean. So that's what I'm talking about. 5%, when I say 95% of what I've done was my fault. The other 5% wasn't. And that's the 5% that wasn't my fault. What I did before that and what I do after that is my fault. And I think that, because, you know, when when let's let's take let's take a twelve step let's take the 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 twelve steps uh, of 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 a popular uh, uh, let's just say it AA you got twelve steps of AA. The first step is to admit that you are powerless. I kind of tweak my own personal one and I admit that I'm powerless and powerful, which means I'm powerless to my addiction, but I'm powerful enough to change. You got to have some hope in there, and that's the thing though is you have to take. That first, that first thing by admitting you're powerless is take is is kind of almost hand in hand with taking the blame for, you, you know, you, it's not saying that I, I'm powerless because of, I'm powerless because they, because it, because this situation, I'm powerless because I'm addicted. So it's the same thing with the blame game, is, you can't do powerless over my addiction, in the blame game. It, it's got to happen at the same time. That's why it was so important. There was no weaning myself off like my other negative personalities, like I was telling you about in the mirror and, 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 and doing it like that, which is effective in my life, the blame game had to stop immediately. And it, and it, and it didn't happen immediately, but I, I had to – drugs happened immediately, but the blame game took a little time because when you have blamed for so long, just like being negative for so long or being addicted to something so long, it's hard to purge immediately. Uh, it takes time. Uh, drugs I purged. I, I, it was done. I, I didn't want to do it anymore. But like I said, you can't have a good, honest recovery until you've fixed everything. The, the addiction part of it is just part of it. Uh, when I say I, I didn't work a good recovery, I was a non-practicing addict. But I still had all the addict personality, which means I can't be happy, joyous, and free because I can't let go of that prison of being a complete um an addict because you, you can take away the addiction take away the the, the, the the principal part of your addiction your drugs but you still have all the negative negative personality so that's when I say a good honest recovery you have to work you have to work on everything and so but when I started quitting drugs and and stop the blame game that had to happen immediately and I you know I and I had to go back and, and I it, one thing I did have to do is I had to go back and, and think you know, okay, what, what, where did the blame come from? What did I blame? What did I do? What is this? What is that? And, you know, just this thing with this priest, that's just a part of a blame game. I, I you know, even when I was sitting in prison, when I when I started my first honest, my, started my good, honest, good recovery, sitting on my bunk, part of me, you know, said, well, if they wouldn't have changed this law, I wouldn't be here at 85%. no. If you wouldn't have put yourself in a situation where you were because you weren't working a good recovery because you still had the anger and the negative attitude, none of this would have happened. And then you have to look at 
if you take that blame away, like let's say, let's take this person that said, I had some blame in the beginning. I'm sitting on my bunk and I said, okay, this is where your honest recovery starts. You're going to, you've already purged this. Let's purge this. Let's purge that blame game. Let's take personal responsibility. And now that I look back, I'm happy the sentence I got because I got the time I needed to get completely recovered, to, to start a good honest recovery. I figure if I could start it and succeed in prison, I could start on the outside world with it. You know, and just like I kept telling people, well, no, you can't. There's no drugs. It's really easy when you're in prison. There are a lot of drugs in prison. A lot of drugs in prison. There's nothing you cannot get in prison. And I'm telling you that right now because I've seen it firsthand. But I, I didn't think that, you know, before I started my and, – and I think I was – see, I was in county for about a week, and then I went up the chain. I caught the chain – and, and I went to the prison where I was classified. That's where I started my good honest recovery. And I went from this prison to another prison where I served my complete sentence. And that's where I continued my good honest recovery. And, I, yeah, I, I went – when I was in prison, I went to a couple meetings, but I, I didn't, wasn't satisfied with those meetings. So I realized, okay, I'm going to take this time. I, I work in the kitchen, and then I'm off the rest of the day. I'm off two days a week. Let's put together a plan, and that's what I did. That's what I'm sharing with you is I'm, I'm putting, I put together this plan that's keeping me for nearly 21 years now um, working a good, honest recovery, and I'm truly happy, joyous, and free. But I blamed everything for everything else. I blamed – there was a point where my, my – mo- now, don't get me wrong. My parents are awesome. They're great, awesome people. My dad taught me a work ethic that I didn't understand at the time that I live to today, and, and my employers can count on it. And my dad taught me that. It's almost like paint the fence or wax the car. It, I did not realize I was, like, so angry when I was having to do it. But then later in life, I have this great work ethic, and I owe it all to my dad. My mother, I she is the greatest giving woman on the planet Earth. And I know there was one time that she sat me down, and this was probably about a year after my cousin died, and I don't know if she felt was feeling guilt. I don't know what she what her whole reasoning was behind it, but she said that she felt like I was going to die. And my mom has, like, this sixth sense, and she can sense things, but she said that she felt like, you know, that I was going to die and that she she prayed and wished it away and wasn't no more than two or three weeks or so my cousin died. And so I blamed her for that, so then I... I had to use drugs because I blamed my mother because I, I blame, 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 blame. And you know what? And that's the sickness of an addiction. And that's the sickness of the blame game. And, I, I you know, seeing people, you can, the blame that's going on today is amazing. I, 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 I don't see anybody seriously taking any personal responsibility anymore for, for much. And, and, and it's kind of a shame because, you know what? I was physically in prison, but I also pr- lived in a prison of my own mind. I could be completely free walking down the street and still in prison because I, it, it's a prison of my mind. It's a prison of my, my body. I, I, that's what I did. And, you know, and that's like when I say happy, joyous, and free, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm happy, joyous, and free because I don't live by any of those constraints. I, when things happen now, I automatically say, yeah, you know what? I did that, and it's wrong. And I apologize for it, and I'll, I'll correct it. Now my responses are all automatic. Like I keep saying autopilot, automatic, and all that. As you work a good, honest recovery, all these things will become uh, uh, autopilotly automatic. It's, it's kind of how I put it. I, I, you know, when I mess up and, and, and I say, listen, I, I made a huge mistake and, and this, that, and the other thing. And nine times out of ten, um, it's not that bad or it's not – I can make it worse in my head, and and that's why it's it's automatically just to get it right out. And and sometimes it doesn't get out, or I get sidetracked, or someone will come up and say, "Hey, you know, somebody so and so did this." You know what? I did that, and you know what? I was gonna tell you, I got sidetracked, and I'm sorry. And you know, when it becomes that kind of thing where you take that personal responsibility, it's almost like a, like when, when people lie. When when someone lies. It, 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 it's it's like the roots of a tree. It, it's it branches out. It goes it goes deep. The lie goes deep because it's searching for 
the tree's roots are searching for water. The lies are searching for another lie to, to cover this lie. And then next thing you know that these lies have gotten out of control and you can't even keep track of what the hell he said. It's the same way. You know, the blame game is almost the same thing. And when I say, yes, it is, or I don't blame nothing, say, there's times when I was working my gun on recovery and I sometimes blamed my higher power. And, and sometimes I did it very verbally and um, say, saying things I shouldn't be saying. And I, I, I immediately, though, I, I have to take it back and I say I'm sorry and I, say, I ask for forgiveness, you know. And, 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 and it, that's why I'm saying it, it took work. And now today when, when someone approaches me or I, I, if it's my fault I take the blame, there's nothing more I have to do. When it becomes automatic and you accept, hey, look, I made a mistake. It's not your mistake. It's not their mistake. It's not its mistake. It's my mistake. And I take personal responsibility for it. It's over. And as I do that and as I kept doing it, the byproduct of doing that, like I keep saying about a good honest recovery is a byproduct, people believe what I say. And people will look at him and say, you know, if this guy tells you something, it's the truth because he doesn't blame. He takes personal responsibility. And when he does, that means he's telling you the truth. So you can count on what he's saying. And what's really cool is when something isn't my fault, I can look at the person and say, not me. I don't know. I don't even know who. And it's over and done with. And, and they can bank on that. That is a byproduct of getting rid of the blame game, taking personal responsibility. And and that's the whole thing about a good honest recovery, too, is you're taking personal responsibility. You did this to yourself. And when I say 5% of what, out of the 90, the 100%, 95%, let's just do it how I'm, I'm going to say it, 95% of the crap that I went through in my life was self-induced. I did it, well, plain and simple. Let's take the priest, for instance. Was I responsible for that priest trying to put his hands up? No. I was not responsible for that. Like I said, what I did before that, I would have never been in that position if I wasn't doing the negative stuff I was doing. And I let myself use the situation that this person put me in. But I used that and blamed that situation to justify continuing my addiction and my, I'm going to say it, evil ways. And when the blame game with me got so bad that when I ran out of things to blame, my cousin's death, I used that as a blame game. This priest I used as a blame game. My dog dying as a blame game. I, I Every little thing I blamed. I didn't take any personal responsibility for anything, and, and it really hampered uh, any kind of recovery I think I could have had. I, I, you know, when I went into the first rehab at 16, 16 and a half or somewhere in there, um, I, I, you know, I came out blaming things. I, I said, this, this, this place didn't do a damn thing for me. There was enough tools in there when I got out that I could have said, I don't need to go back there. I, I don't think it was enough, but, you know, the thing was is that I blamed what happened in there being shot at. I blamed the counselors for doing this, and it wasn't long enough. And, 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 and I went to a meeting, and when I got out, and they said, three weeks, oh, you'll, you'll fail sooner. Well, he said I'll fail, so I guess I'll fail. And I used every excuse, every blamed every reason to keep continuing doing my, my drug excuse, uh, drug addiction. All, I mean, like I said, I, I blamed everything up to the point that I was sitting on my bunk beginning my sentence in prison in the year 2000, August uh, 8th of 2000. So from the point that point on, I didn't blame anything. And I had every reason to blame tons of things. I, I don't know anybody's ever been in prison, but you can, if you want to know professional blame gamers, go to prison because you're going to hear it all. Uh, excuses, blame, the blame game, you name it, because Everybody in prison is innocent. Everybody in prison didn't do it. And it's everybody else's fault that they're in prison. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, I, 
it's kind of funny because um, in a way, uh, I, 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 in prison, when you, when you want to make a phone call, first of all, you have to put your name on a list, what time you're going to make that call. Then you got to stand in the line according to that time frame. And then when your time comes up, you grab the phone. Well, anyways, I was sitting there, and this one guy just got there, and he got on the phone, and he was talking to, I don't know, his significant other, and he was just begging, please don't leave me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This, that, and the other thing. I don't know what it's going to take, and this and that. And one guy is sitting on the bench and says, there's a really easy way to solve this, bro. And he says, yeah, what's that? Stop committing crimes. Take personal responsibility. And that that said it all right there. That's when another it clicked in my mind because I, I'll tell you when 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 you're working a good honest recovery, your ears and your mind are completely open. That's the cool thing. My ears, as big as they are, are like little radars, just sucking it all in and taking all this information in. And 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 and, and that's the things I. And, and what's really funny is there was a movie down the road um, with Jim Carrey in it, and um, he was a lawyer and uh, one of his people that he defends that keeps committing crimes calls up says I, I'm in trouble again what should I do and he gets on there and he goes stop committing crime <laughs> you know and and that's the that, that's the whole thing is and that's the other thing about a good honest recovery is when you clear your mind of of the the crap the the blame the, the everything and open these these wonderful things on the side of your head your ears and and and, and you know close that tunnel off and and suck some of that information into your head then you start learning things. And some of the best things that, that helped me in, in my good, honest recovery is things that I've just overheard or, or kept my ears open and, and listened to and, and things I've watched and seen. And, 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 and you, have to, you have to process all that. And I, it, like, I, like I said now, I, I, I don't blame anything for anybody. And I know I got people that'll say, you know, like, well, she didn't deserve to be raped. I don't think anybody deserves to be raped. I don't think any situation, it's just like when, when women, and I'm going to say it like this because I, I can't think of another example off the top of my head right now is, you know, let's say you wear some revealing shorts in public. Or let's say you're at the beach. Let's say you're at the beach and you're wearing a, your bathing suit, and, and we know how skimpy some of these bathing suits are. And if you're walking down the beach and somebody, male or female, who knows today, um, gives a glance at you, and you catch them, and, and, and you're like, oh, they're just kind of giving me a glance. Hey, that's just the way life is. If they're overly staring, is a whole different story. Now, if they just glance and they did it respectfully, and you get in their face like, why, why, you know, you know, listen, a glance is a glance. It's not a big deal. When they're overly staring is a big deal. When they come up, if they give you a, I hope they don't give you a little squeeze, that's definitely a big deal. Now, the thing is, is that I'm not trying to blame anybody for what they wear. No one deserves to be raped. No one deserves to be touched inappropriately. And no one deserves to be felt uncomfortable. But also, people need to take personal responsibility. I mean, I'm not telling what people to wear. I'm not, you know, if I had a good physique and I wore something that was maybe a little revealing, maybe if, if I had some washboard abs or some pecs or something, <laughs> I don't. Um, you know, I wouldn't care if somebody looked male or female. It, a glance is a glance, and I don't care. It's when people don't take, you know, responsibility for the for their and like even like somebody. It's it's just like you know when I, I had a girlfriend one time and we went to a, a a bar, and we clearly looked like we were boyfriend and girlfriend, and this guy just kept staring at her, and I thought you know. I don't need to fight this guy. I don't need to get rowdy on this guy. I'm having a really good time. But he's making her feel really uncomfortable by staring at her. It's kind of disrespectful. So that's what I'm kind of saying is, you know, no one deserves a, a, a negativity. No one deserves to be taken advantage of or anything, no matter what they're wearing. But, you know, if you're going into a situation where there's a lot of drinking and, and this, that, and the other thing and, and you know, you, you got to heighten everything. Everything's got to be heightened. Your your whole sense has got to be heightened. And, you know, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And that's how fast, like, I, I, maybe I'm kind of getting off the track of what I'm trying to say here is, is you know, it's just people need to take personal responsibility. I, I don't think a, a child going through what they go through, and God forbid they, they do go through some of the things that unfortunately they do, 
that is definitely not their fault. When they, I, hopefully they can get the right amount of counseling, the right counseling, the right, but some don't, and they end up addicted and this and that, and this is the reason why. And, and, and you know, there comes a point, though, in your addiction years down the road that, you, you know, hopefully you could say, listen, I got to stop blaming what happened to me and start taking personal responsibility of what I'm doing today. I'm not responsible for what happened then, but I'm really responsible for what I'm doing today. And you can't let it own you. You can't let it rent space in your head. And that's what a lot of people are doing today. I'm, I'm saddened at the things that, that went on. I mean, there was things that happened in my life that you could, you could classify as me. I, I classify, I, I don't even know if I classify it, but people could say, well, he was taken advantage of by, an, by a female adult. That's basically what happened. And at the time, in my age, I, I just didn't feel like I was being taken advantage of. I, I, I didn't even tell my mother until I was, um, God, I was in my 20s, I believe, 20s or 30s. Because I know what she would have done. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong or anybody should, should go against any of that. I'm just saying that this was something that happened in my life. I didn't see it as somebody that used me. I saw it as just something that happened, and I, I leave it at that. I, I don't let it define me. I don't let it own me. I don't even, up until I think right now, I, I rarely even think about it. I, I don't, I, to me, personally, I don't feel bad about it. I know there's some people that have situations like that that have damaged them, and, and I'm sorry that that happened. Uh, I can only tell you what I did in my life, but I'm sorry that happened. But at a certain point down the road, you have to take personal responsibility for what you're doing at that time. Uh, when the thing, when it was going on, that's not your fault. And I'm sorry that you might have not gotten any counseling. You might have not gotten to that point. But there, like I said, there becomes a time when it becomes your personal responsibility that you got to stop letting it control you and own you and rent space in your head. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, today, I don't. I don't consider anything I went that happened in my life. Uh, negative anymore. I, I, I look back and say it's a learning experience. It's, I, I, I mean, like I said, I'm, I was thankful I went to prison because it, it, it got started on my good honest recovery because I was sitting on my bunk just thinking that, you know, this has to stop. I can't be doing this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. So that's when, you know, it, my good honest recovery started from there. But, but when I, when I started, I did, I, I only looked back as a learning, like a, a, a file cabinet. All my past experiences were like a file. I open a file and I say, what, what can I use this one experience to help me what I'm doing, what I'm going through today? And that's, that's what I do today. I know I, I probably mumbled quite a bit on some of the things, and I'm sorry if I offended anybody. I, I was trying to get a point across. And, and you know what? Sometimes I fub it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't edit my episodes. I just go for about an hour trying to talk about experiences. Some some of the things you can pick up, some of them you're not. Some will probably piss some people off, some might not. It's all got to balance out. I'm going to really try, though, to go back to putting one out a week. I, I haven't. I have. I think I spent, oh, I think three weeks. Um, I, I don't know if people know, but my parents are visiting right now, and I love spending time with them, and, and they are starting to get up there in age, and I... I I really want to spend as much time with them uh, on the chances I get because they live, you know, uh, 1,400 miles away, and I, I get to see them twice a year when they come up here, which they didn't come up last year because of COVID, and when we go down for uh, Christmas. So I just wanted to enjoy them, and I'm and I just it just I'm really enjoying hanging out with my parents. All right, back to the blame game. I I see today. Uh, people that uh, are still blaming addiction on I, I have somebody that I know I'm not gonna say specific but they they literally had an accident when they were young and they uh, were, were given opiates for painkiller and through and they were at a fairly young age I believe about 15 14 and a half 15 and I they they we're hooked on the painkillers now because they were able to, to get back when you could get prescription after prescription. And they, the prescription eventually stopped, and now they're addicted. And now 
they are stealing other people's medications and then uh, graduated to heroin. And watching this this certain person, I, I was asked to help this person. And I went, and I could never believe that this person could ever live on the streets, but I, I had to go on the streets and find this person. I got them in my truck, and I brought them back to their parents' house. And as I was there and driving, well, driving this person back, it was about a half hour, 45-minute drive. All I heard was everything this person's going through was everybody else's fault. And when I got this person back to their parents' house, and I got them to agree to go into a rehab, but I also... They said they had to have, they were sick, if people understand. When you were hooked on some drugs long enough, especially heroin, when they stop using it, they, they physically get sick because their body physically needs it. And he was sick, so I thought, okay, if there's any kind of an opiate in here, let's just at least let him have an opiate so he can at least stay the night so we can get him in the rehab the next day. And they had a bottle of pills left over from another family member. And it was a fairly large bottle of, I believe it was Vicodin. I, I Don't quote me on that, but it was a pretty strong uh, painkiller that this person had who was no longer on this planet Earth. Let's put it that way. And this person who was addicted, dumped all these pills out and was going through them saying no, 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 no. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. what do you mean no? Well, this individual had already gone through this bottle of pills over the time that they were actually staying at their parents' house. And this person used all those pills in that bottle. And they were upset because there was no more opiates in this bottle. I believe this person said that he found, I I can't believe, I, I don't know what aspirin he was telling me that looked like this pill, but he substituted, no one knew the difference. He was upset at everyone else that there was no more opiates, painkillers, in this bottle. That he emptied himself, replaced, I'm going to say Vicodin, I'm not sure if that's what it was, but it was a pretty strong painkiller. He was upset at everybody else because there was no more Vicodin in a bottle that he did and he used and replaced with these aspirins. That's taking the blame game to the extreme level. But it's instances like that that make me realize how good and honest of recovery I'm working today. This person still has some problems with with drugs and alcohol today. I can't say it's getting better. Better is getting really better. Been in and out of rehab. You know, this individual is, you know, done you know a lot of things but just can't seem to shake it and unfortunately sometimes when you're not working that good honest recovery this is the outcome i uh live far enough from this person that i I, there's nothing i can do i i i there's nothing i can do i i it it's just a long story but but i'm just using that as an example of the blame game and how extreme that blame game can really get is this person was blaming something that he did on everybody else to the extreme. And I've seen it. I uh, Believe me, I've used the blame game like that, too. I mean, I I've, I used it professionally. You know, I mean, I was a professional addict. You know, I, I was. You, 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 you become a professional in the negative part of, of life. <laughs> it, it's just the way it is. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, the way you are able to keep your addiction justifiable. And, and that is uh, blaming everybody else for your addiction. Um, I like I, 
I hope people understand some of the things I was trying to say. Is you know, I like I said, I, I'm not blaming people for certain things in their life, but you got to take personal responsibility. It's like I, I teach my my grandkids and I and my wife that you know, no one deserves to to be rousted in public and this that and the other thing. But in today's society, you have to have a whole different sense of sensibility about you. You have to look around the corners. You have to keep your eyes wide open. You have to keep turning your head, rubbernecking, and all that. And 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 and, and that's the whole thing that I, I I try to. That's it's like how addiction is. Uh, you know, recovery is for me. Is is in the beginning of my recovery. I I mean, I had to rubberneck. I had to keep the ears open, the senses open, because I might learn something. I might not learn something. I might see something that God, I never want to go back to that. Or oh man, that person said something really cool. That's gonna stick in my head. And, you know, it's the, it's the same, like, when you walk around the streets. It's like we live close to Seattle. Well, we don't live close to Seattle. Seattle's on the other side of the, the water from us. But, you know, I, and I haven't been over to Seattle for a long time. But if I went over to Seattle, I can tell you right now, most likely I would take my little tiny wallet and I would put it either in my front pocket or I would leave it in my car and just take maybe one card and some cash. You got a rubberneck when you're there because it's the crime is just getting out of control and you, you're constantly got to be aware of your surroundings and this that and everything and, and, and that's like I said that's kind of like how a recovery is my recovery is when, when I first got into a good honest recovery is uh, just keeping your eyes and ears and everything open and and and, and stop the blaming I <laughs> there was times that I like I said before that I in my good honest recovery that I went to meetings and and I walked out and I know there's got to be some people that walked out of a bad meeting and went and used because they used that bad meeting as a justification to go use because they're not going to. And that's what I'm talking about, blaming. When I got bad meetings in my good honest recovery, I just I got to a point where I finally said, OK, the bad meetings are outweighing the good meetings and I am going to stop going to meetings. I'm not going to use. I'm not going to not I'm not going to stop doing a good honest recovery. I'm just not going to participate in these meetings anymore. And I took a personal responsibility to say just because this person said I can't be here for this reason doesn't mean I'm going I need to, to go out and use drugs because I'm angry at this person. And that's it I'll give you another example of of a blame thing and I'm not going to say who this was but I had a I had knew somebody I knew, and they were upset with their boss. And the resolution was they went ahead and quit without any job. And and I think at the time the job market was really bad. And they said, "Look, I I showed him I quit." What did you show him? I, I'm kind of having a hard time understanding that because my understanding is what I heard. He's already hired somebody. So what did you actually show him? You didn't show him anything. You actually thought you were hurting him when in fact you were hurting yourself. It's the same as if you get a bad meeting or a bad one-on-one uh, -on -one with somebody or something goes on and you go out and use drugs. You're not hurting that person. You're only hurting yourself. And that's the whole thing about it. That's the whole way of thinking I'm talking about. You got to change. You got to change that. I had to change that way of thinking because I'd be dead if I didn't. I've done the jails. I've done institutions, and the third one's death. That's a common thing you'll hear in meetings, jails, institutions, and death. I've done two out of three. I'm not ready for the third yet. I, I got a message, man, and I want to get it out there. I got things to do. I want to live before that final time comes. Like I do, I am today. Like I live today. I live it happy, joyous, and free today. I know I can't give you other than a couple tidbits of what I had to do to stop the blame game. Sometimes I had to white knuckle that some bitch. Sometimes there was no thought about it. Just don't do it. Sometimes I use the mirror like some of the other things I did. Like I always told you, one of the 
things I did learn in Synanon, uh, a Synanon program that I went through way back in the day is the mirror thing. And when I was in the program, I had a discipline where I had to say I was too cool for school, the top of my lungs for a half an hour every day in the, in the chow hall into a mirror. Hated it, didn't understand it, did it so loud, I did it resentfully. But to this day, I understand why they gave that to me, and I used it to get, to get myself through some of my negative personality. The blame game, I used it sometimes. The blame game just had to be purged as fast as stop using drugs had to be purged. And, and, and that's, that's what I had to do. Those are the two things that I had to do immediately. The rest of the stuff, the negativities and all that, they fell off, and, 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 and they took work, and I used the mirror in the morning and afternoon um, to do that. And sometimes, like I said, I did do the blame game thing in the mirror. Say, Listen, you own all your shit today. Try not to blame today. We'll see you tonight. We'll talk in the mirror and see how you did. I did that, but not as faithfully as I did with my other negativities. Because, I, like I said, I had to purge the blame game immediately. Otherwise, I Because the one thing, the first step in, let's say, AA, you have to blame yourself for your addiction. You have to admit you're powerless. Me, I admit I was powerless and powerful. So that's, that's what I'm trying to say is when purging. And, and I'm sorry if this episode is a little back and forth and everything, but I just kind of gave you an example of some kind of an extreme thing that happened in my life with that, with that priest. Uh, how I blamed it, but now I don't blame it. And how I took responsibility before the event, after the event, my fault, not the event itself. And don't let the events own you. If 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 you have been molested or raped or uh, uh, abused, uh, you know, physically, mentally, sexually, I am sorry that happened to you. But you know what? That person is still doing it. That event is still happening if you allow it to own you. If you could get to the right people, to the right counselor, maybe it's not the first counselor, second counselor, third, might be the fourth or fifth. Might not be this person, might be that person, might be might be somebody you don't even can't even think of might be the person to talk to. Long as you get it out there, that's the start. Once you throw it out there, that's the start. Like I said in the past, some of the worst advice I ever got was from a licensed therapist. Some of the best advice I ever got was from an ex-prostitute. And also vice versa. Keep the ears open. Keep the mind open. And and don't, like I said, if you open everything up and, and, and get it out, and, and, and don't let people's expressions own you about it either. Some might not want to hear that, what you've been through. Some, some might be appalled. Some might be sick, hurtful that it happened to you. You know, you're not going to get the response you always count on all the time. You just got to get through it and, and, and move on and, and not let it own you. That's the whole thing. All the events that happened in my life, as crappy or as shitty as they were, that weren't my fault. Do not own me today. They own me in my bad recovery. They own me in my addiction. They own me up to the point, like I said, I was sitting at my bunk starting my my almost three-year prison sentence. So it was three years. I, I Like I said, I, I had 85%. What is it, 25 months? It owned me until that point. And from that point on, I took personal responsibility to this day. And, and, and like I said, taking personal responsibility, none of that stuff owns me. None of that stuff is, 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 is defines me. And that's the thing is about whatever those events in your life do not define you. That's for sure. You cannot let that define you. You don't want to give these people, these events, that kind of power. You know, I, I, that's like what people who say, I, I love her so much, and I'll do everything for her, or I love him so much, and, and, and he's my God, and this and that, you know, and, 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 and if you give that much power to a human being, that's a shame. You, you don't want to do that. That's not going to go well. 
So I'm sorry for events that happened in your life. I hope that you can get to the right people. Like I said, you can email me in, in, in any time and ask me questions and, and go through anything you want to go through with me and ask me anything. I, I have no problem answering any question. I have no problem with any feedback as far as um, something you don't like I did or you're taking way too long to do another episode. And you know what? You're right. It's my fault, and I'm sorry. I'm enjoying my parents. That's my excuse, and I think it's a pretty damn good one. But I'm going to try to go back to um, a weekly weekly episodes because uh, it, it, this, this also helps me too. I get to help others, and it helps me. And I really appreciate it. I hope you. So I hope everybody can get something out of this. I hope people share their experiences. Get get the word out. It, it, you, you would be surprised who the person that's going to help you. But keep the mind open, the ears open, the senses open, and, and and know when you're hearing bullshit, and when you're hearing good stuff, because that is your personal responsibility. That is up to you to know the BS from the good stuff. So. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you my email again. It's I'm not broken forever at outlook.com spelt out. I am N O T B R O K E N the number four E V E R at outlook.com. Please email me. Be good humans, live life, love, eat, be merry, forget all the crap that's going on in society today. But I'll tell you what, if things are getting your craw, things are bothering you, Open that mouth. Open it. Get it out. Get it out. Because even if you're driving in your car, talking to yourself out loud, in a sense, you're getting it out. As crazy as it sounds, I do that sometimes myself. So do everything you can. I'm here to listen. Email me. Loving you all. I will definitely be back in a week. You can hold me to that. Peace out.